I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Sanat Rao, Chief Business Officer and Global Head of Infosys Finical. Our topic for today, how digital business ecosystems are reshaping banking. This out of a research report that Infosys Finical recently published on business model innovation. So basic question, what are the trends you're seeing? The report was really driven by a couple of things. One is that, as we all know, and this was even before COVID, the world of banking is changing much faster than most banks themselves are. Digital technologies and new entrants have unleashed a whole host of innovation in banking. And this is driving a lot of improvements in the quality of services that are delivered to customers, increasing the nature of competition, and I think raising customer expectations substantially. As we know through the last 18 plus months of COVID, if anything, this has become even more dire in terms of the need to look at this change. The second element, of course, is that traditional banks, I think, are struggling for a variety of reasons to innovate fast enough. This is coming in the face of competition from all sides and in the face of an ever-demanding customer. I think last but not the least, I'd point to the fact that The reason we've stressed on new business models is that with the proliferation of digital technologies, there is a great opportunity to unlock and create new value by a variety of ways. The truth is that few banks can succeed on their own. And as we know, this is an era where you compete in some areas and you collaborate in other areas. And I think digital technologies is allowing a blurring of those boundaries such that banks can define new roles where they want to play in uh, digital you know, business ecosystems and seize new opportunities by relooking, I think, at some of the traditional roles that they've played. So this really was the background, uh, Robin, and we came up some with, with some very interesting propositions there. Well, tell us about these propositions. What are the, the business model archetypes you're seeing? We came across eight models, and not eight are necessarily at equal level of maturity, and certainly out of these eight, A handful of them are much more prevalent even as we speak today. So the first and foremost is digital bank. You know, there are lots of de novo banks that have been set up in the last few years in different parts of the world. These are essentially banks that deliver banking services almost entirely and sometimes entirely through digital touch points alone. So they don't have branches. They rely completely on digital technologies. And the medium of interaction, whether it's for delivery of products and for any type of service, is only through electronic medium. So this is one, the digital bank. The second element is that of what we call the digital financial advisor. As we know, the nature of banking is changing and digital financial advisors deliver financial advice by using electronic means, as I just mentioned, but also leveraging newer technologies like AI like leveraging a host of the data that the bank already has to understand what their customer's financial situation is and then to recommend actions. So this is an advisory role, but it's one that's becoming more and more prominent with the leveraging of digital technologies. The third and probably the most interesting one is something that all of us witness day-to-day in our lives, which is embedded finance. And certainly in the course of COVID, this has become, I think, even more prominent given that with retail stores closed, the only way of doing commerce was through e-commerce. You know, companies with frequent engagement and deep customer understandings are embedding banking and banking type of services and payments into their non-financial products and services. And as we all know, I mean, the whole proposition of buy now, pay later has become so very compelling and so much in demand 
given the uh, amount of e-commerce that's been carried on during COVID. So I think embedded finance is the third one. The other one that we are very interested in is what we call banking as a service. And this is one where the bank offers a complete banking proposition, which is banking processes, which are typically through APIs, which third parties can embed into their products and services. So it's the ability to extend banking, if you like, through the exposure of APIs that third parties can leverage. These are four which are prominent. There are others like that of a banking curator, a finance marketplace, a non-finance marketplace, and a banking industry utility. I think these are probably, relatively speaking, less mature today and certainly less common today, but ones whose model can easily scale and become more of a reality, given that the basic premise is that these models are facilitated by digital technologies and it allows the leveraging of ecosystems where banks can do what they're best at doing, but also tap into capabilities of third parties to bring an end-to-end proposition together for their clients. Would it be reasonable to assume that some banks are going to do a mix and match of these models in the sense that one might offer banking as a service to a broad general audience, but then also focus on, say, an embedded finance solution or a, a marketplace banking solution in another sector? Absolutely. And I think particularly for large banks, where already there is a belief that large banks operate in silos, there's no reason why one business segment cannot adopt one business model, which is relevant to them, and another part of the bank adopt another model. So we see that definitely as a possibility. And certainly, technology is not going to come in the way of facilitating that. I think it's more a question of the bank determining which of those models suits which parts of the bank and how they take it to market. Technology is there to facilitate that. Technology is going to be a big enabler, and that proposition is very much a possibility. How do we create a framework for strategizing and and executing innovation with these business models? Because it's a huge challenge to, for a bank, look at what you're suggesting and saying, all right, we'll do that there, and we'll do this here, and we'll do something else there. How do you actually make sense of all this as a bank for the future? I think it's a very relevant question, Robin. And, you know, it's important, I think, to stress on the fact that we shouldn't think that all of this is very easy. It's, it's, it's easy to take a whip and beat someone else, but change is never easy. So it's not as though transitioning to any of these new business models is going to be something that can be done overnight. And there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Certainly different institutions might take different approaches based on you know, where they are at and the kind of customers they serve, what the proposition is, which model they wish to adopt. So there are a variety of factors that come into play. But broadly speaking, if one were to look at a kind of a framework, I think it would essentially, I think, cover a few things. And I'm just going to put those on the table because I think they would manifest in virtually any of these propositions. The question of degree may vary from situation to situation. So I think first and foremost, it is about rethinking the business model for digital ecosystems by determining what is the target business model. And going back to your previous question about a bank or two parts of one institution, you know, leveraging two business models. I think that's where the crux of the matter is, which is for the bank to determine what the target business model is going to be. Who are the customer segments they're going to go after? What is the proposition? Which are the channels they're going to use? And indeed, in some of these propositions, while you may have a multitude of electronic channels. Some may be more prominent than the other. What are the revenue streams? Revenue streams are going to be very different from 
the way you would typically price for products and services when the branch was the predominant uh, model in, in the past. Uh, and of course, then the bank has to you know, consider their own cost structures because the cost of delivering these products and services in this new model is going to be very different from the erstwhile model, which was in the past driven uh, through a branch network. So I think the first and foremost thing is to d- determine what the target business model is. The second element is, as a result of this, what constitutes the new customer value? Because if you're going to be serving a set of customers, and many of them are likely to have enjoyed a length of time with this particular institution, uh, I think the customers are only right in expecting something differentiated as a result of these new business models. So, you know, what is the nature of customer experience going to be? How can you demonstrate visibly, both at the front end and at the back end, that operational efficiency is making a big difference in terms of the way customers consume these products and services. And something that I think is going to require attention is that with the collapsing of boundaries and with the ability to create these digital ecosystems, how do you actually drive partnerships? And I go back to the point I made earlier in this conversation, which was that some of these partnerships may indeed be with organizations with whom you sometimes compete in a completely different area, right? So ecosystems, partnership, what that partnership means, what does it mean to the end customer? I think these are all elements of the second point, which is creating new customer value. And the last one I'd I'd point to um, is, as a result of all of this, how does the bank itself look different? If the bank doesn't look different, then it's not going to be able to offer and deliver something different. So here, what I mean is that, you know, in if this bank is going to transform into becoming a dig- more digital organization, the culture of that organization, the kind of talent that they need to tap into, the governance frameworks that they need to adopt for some of these propositions, the role of technology and data, obviously, the funding metrics, you know, of some of these propositions, these are going to be very different from the way it was done 10, 15 years ago, where the branch was still the predominant channel. And you took your customers for granted because customers didn't necessarily want to move. I think all of that changes. So just to summarize, I think there are three broad areas that the banks have to focus on. First is defining for themselves what the target business model would look like. Second is determining what actually represents the new customer value in the eyes of the customer. And last but not the least, for a bank that has transitioned to one of these business models, what does the new digital organization within the bank look like? So these are broadly three areas, uh, Robin. As I said earlier, the different elements in each of these three could manifest itself in different ways in different institutions. And it's not to suggest that everything is broken. It's equally important, I think, for banks to acknowledge and recognize areas where they have a strength or a differentiator vis-a-vis their competition, and obviously try and find ways of doing that even better. But if there are areas where things need to be strengthened, then of course, that needs attention. So I... I believe that banks today are very confident that opportunities are there in front of them. I think there is today a wholehearted desire to leverage technology. And certainly as more and more examples of these business models you know, become prominent, and some of them indeed have come from non-banks, I think we'll find more institutions taking these up. There is one aspect of this that I don't think we've quite touched on yet, and that's speed. This has to be done quickly which means you have to make the right decision, you have to implement it. But if you've made the wrong decision, you have to also be prepared to drop it and go back to the drawing board. You're so right. This whole phenomenon, the mantra, if you like, that if you have to fail, then fail fast so that you know you, you, you have enough time to 
learn from that failure and then go back to the drawing board and then quickly relaunch or change as appropriate. So I fully agree with you. Speed is is the essence. And speed is the essence from both sides. You know, it is from from within the institution, which is defining the products, the services, the way they'll take it to market, the way they'll respond to customer queries. But equally, you know, from our side, you and I as individuals, our own expectations of speed have dramatically changed. It has certainly changed during the last 18, 24 months of COVID. And it had begun changing even before that. And I dare say, as we speak now, you know, many different economies in different parts of the world are already looking to hopefully come out of COVID. And hopefully we've seen the worst of COVID behind us. The year 2022 and beyond, we have to believe that it will be better placed for us to be able to respond to the market. And you're absolutely right that speed is going to be a very vital ingredient in this. From the perspective of a solutions provider like yourself, banks presumably are expecting you to deliver your services much more quickly and deliver solutions to them much more quickly. It's months, possibly even weeks, rather than years. You're right. And the time frame, uh, the whole element of time frame certainly varies, you know. And we've seen that. I mean, even before COVID, even as the digital technologies became more and more prominent, we've seen that happening. So, you know, if you take core banking itself, Robin, as an example, I mean, the whole definition of core banking, as we know, has undergone a lot of change in the last 10, 15 years. Today, banks want the ability to be able to implement componentize. They want the ability to upgrade you know, line of business or module-wise rather than upgrading everything. With the greater adoption of DevOps, agile processes, and so on, the whole expectation that the banks will adapt to those those changes and that we as service providers are able to incorporate that very compellingly within our own proposition. That's absolutely the case. And, you know, we need to be able to do that. I think the other example, the other uh, point is that digital technologies facilitate this. So I think the technology environment itself is very conducive to the adoption of these new processes and the new ways of doing things. That was not available 15, 20 years ago. So I think the fact that these newer technologies are available today, it's very, very appropriate that banks, their end customers, and indeed all of us as solution providers are very focused on delivering things quicker, better, and in a different manner. What sort of examples can you offer us of the way that some banks are creating and delivering and capturing the new value? We won't talk about all the eight business models. Let me just focus on maybe two or three of them. And let me just start with the digital bank, because at Finicle, we have been very proud and privileged to have worked with three very prominent digital banks in different parts of the world. Marcus by Goldman Sachs in the US and now in the UK, Liv from Emirates NBD in the Middle East, and Digibank from DBS Bank in Asia. So these are examples where we've worked very prominently at Finicle with these institutions, and we are very privileged to have done that. But going beyond our own footprint, when you look at other examples, and I'd point to maybe a couple of them. One is, of course, WeBank, you know, an affiliate of WeChat. And WeBank is, I think, for those who are following these huge organizations coming out of China in the recent past, WeBank is a great example of an institution that uses Tencent's WeChat instant messaging and social networking app to reach a whole host of underbanked customers across China. So I think that's one example. The second example I'd point to is, again, from Asia. It's Kakao Bank in South Korea. This was a bank that was launched by South Korea's dominant messaging app. And Kakao Bank you know, borrowed the customer-centric characteristics, if you like, of Kakao Talk and used that in the adoption of uh, banking services. So these are a couple of areas in the digital bank area. 
If we were to look at embedded finance, I mean, here again, I think some of the great examples really come from Asia. And I think in Southeast Asia, we have this very prominent and visible example in recent times of GrabPay. And GrabPay really came out of, you know, the fact that it was launched as a digital wallet, which was created by, you know, Southeast Asia's, uh, which is probably the largest uh, ride-hailing company, you know, a competitor to the likes of Uber. And in this proposition, customers of Grab can make payments for hailing a ride or for, you know, ordering food within the Grab app or using the wallet for a link, you know, for a variety of other services, whether you're paying in stores, whether you're earning rewards, you know, affecting funds transfer. So all of this can be done very, very easily. Here in Europe, particularly, listeners would be very familiar with Shopify and the whole proposition that Shopify offers from payments, point of sale systems, and loans to merchants. So Shopify is certainly another good example. And as I mentioned, Robin, you know, one of the good examples of embedded finance is buy now, pay later. That's become so very visible at times of COVID, where e-commerce has been the only way of conducting uh, shopping online. So I think these are great examples. I think as far as banking as a service is concerned, I dare say this is a different proposition from the other three that we've discussed. If you start with the US, for example, Goldman Sachs and Marcus, last year they announced their collaboration with Apple for the Apple credit card. You know, that was sort of an instance where Goldman Sachs, you know, collaborated with Apple to leverage its banking license and their deep industry experience to deliver a banking as a service. And I think Goldman is announcing more such initiatives. In India, there is ICICI Bank, another customer that we work with closely, where they have, you know, an extensive range of banking APIs that they've exposed to third-party developers and partners to be able to create an end-to-end proposition. These are some very good examples of, you know, institutions that are already leveraging these newer business models. And I think what is prominent is that, as we've seen, many of these have come from outside of the traditional banks. That is where banks are really sitting up and taking notice that the competition is really coming from non-banks who are providing banking services without necessarily becoming banks themselves. And I think their whole proposition, their ability to leverage technology, the fact that they don't have legacy infrastructure and all the other problems that large institutions have had, these are really creating a lot of competition for traditional banks. And that is where I think this whole proposition of leveraging new business model becoming a very, very exciting phenomenon, hopefully going forward. Sanat Rao, Chief Business Officer and Global Head of Infosys Finical, thank you very much.